Hello and welcome to the Bossit Podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblet. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques, and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblet. Hello, this is the Bossit Podcast, the podcast for software CEOs, hopefully revealing some of the insider tech tips, techniques and concepts to help you grow your software business. Um, my name is Mark Edwards and hopefully on the other end of the line, I've got Michael Humblet. Michael, are you there? I'm there. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you? Good afternoon. Very well. We've got clear reception at the moment and let's see, I hope that it lasts that way. <laughs> it's not always the case. After all those years, they still haven't fixed that one. Huh? <laughs> no, no, that's right. And we come from the tech sector and we're moaning about tech. Isn't that so common? Eh? <laughs> it's a hobby. It's a hobby, you know, it and is. hobbies you do with passion. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think actually that's, that's probably true. It, it, we do it with passion. It's one of those common themes and they're always moaning about the reception when you're using a uh, VOIP yeah. and, uh, and the other one, the other one that I think is very common, it used to be so much so with people in the software sector, is that when you would talk to them, they would always draw, I don't know if you've seen this, but you always used to draw diagrams of triangles. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what it was. It would always Ooh, be. Yeah, Let, yeah, yeah. That pyramids, <laughs> upside down the whole time. Yeah. Good God. I used to see it so often. Seen that one in a while. No, but it used to be. I don't know what it was. And it, every time you'd have a conversation, they'd say, look, let me just draw something for you. And I thought, I bet you're going to draw a triangle or a pyramid. <laughs> the, worst in, in the worst that ever happened to me was I was at IBM a long time ago. Yeah. We had a meeting. They invited me. And then I had to sit down. And they said, before you start, we as IBM will explain to you how we see this meeting. And I'm, I'm watching. And then the guy starts half an hour drawing period explaining <laughs> everything that IBM does. And I'm like, I mean, the meeting was half an hour. I'm like, okay, okay so, so what do you want now? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's lots of organizations that suffer from the problems of having meetings. In fact, I was talking to somebody um, just last week, and he said the main reason that he left the company was he couldn't handle any more of their internal meetings. He said <laughs> it was just pointless. I, I once actually sake. also left. I got really depressed because it was just meetings on strategy and nothing nothing got done. And I, I, I went nuts. I mean, I, I want to do things. I could, yeah. I could, so, I could so see Mark, I could see that was, with you, actually. Yeah. So how was your week? Busy. I've, I've been traveling. So I've, I've been abroad um, meeting um, with a number of different businesses. Um, which is always interesting, you know, meeting people for the first time, trying to, you know, get a quick understanding of their business. Um, and then also the time that I spend at the airport and traveling, it, it gave me a bit of thinking time. And I've, I've got a few points that uh, occurred to me over the past week that I want to have a chat with you about. Um, please, please go. I'm curious. I'm very okay. curious. Well, I was, I was thinking the other days that, um, one of the common themes that I discuss with um, software entrepreneurs, especially in those initial meetings, is why did you start the business in the first place? And hmm. I think that 
we all get so busy and you get into the detail that it is sometimes very easy to forget that objective and do I you see... do you mean on a because I, do you mean on a personal level why did you start or on on the bigger scale of things because there's well, a difference right some people say yes. I, wanna, I did this for yeah go on yeah you're right it's i think it can be i i, I always leave it quite open-ended because it's interesting to see in which, which direction they go and it, and it's both valid it, it does tell you quite a lot um I think that there are there are common themes, and this is one of the things that I wanted to to bring up today, is that there are common themes that I hear time and time again. Um, I think that that software entrepreneurs um, they've got certain common denominators. Um, obviously, they're not scared of technology. Well, most of them aren't, um, except for if it's internet technology like this. Um, <laughs> We've had we've had our problems with that in the past, haven't we? Between the yeah, two of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so typically, they are people that um, they quite like technology. They keep up to date as much as possible. Um, but I think also you, you, I see a great deal of creativity, the the ability to be able to apply their knowledge and to create something new, something that can solve a problem, um, and and be able to make a difference. And yeah. that that is very very common. I think there's a, there has to be an excitement, an energy that really drives these people because starting a business, starting any business is not easy. You know, we mentioned before about high failure rates, but mm -hmm. I think particularly in the software tech sector, and I don't think it's getting any easier. Although I think that there is a lot of money available to some startups. Um. I don't think it's any easier to start a business and make it make it successful. So you need a lot of energy, and I think you need a hunger that to drive you, to keep moving you forward. I agree. The, the one thing that has changed a bit, I think, is that in a way it's easier uh, to start because there is more technology. But then again, the competition is much fiercer. On the other hand, I also see that it's much easier to get cash than than I think ten years ago. Yes. It's like the promise of something new and people, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there are so many mechanisms to get, I, I had to do a speech today for 30 scale-ups and, 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 and one of the topics, the guy before me was talking about getting cash and all of it. And he was like, I mean, it almost felt like a walk in the park. It was like, do, you don't need to worry. There is this mechanism that doesn't work. There is that. And if that doesn't work, and he just kept, kept building a list and I'm like, good God. So it, I mean, that was intriguing because some businesses just, are not meant to exist. If I, if I listen to some of these business ideas, I'm like, guys, that, that's never going to work, right? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't... I think there is a lot of money out there and there's a lot of money that's been put, put into probably relatively few companies. And what I mean by that, the really big investment companies out there, you will see where there will be sort of small handfuls of those investment companies investing into the same company. Um and I think that's partly because, A, they've probably got a really good idea. They've got the right management team behind it. They've been able to articulate and present it in a very understandable way. Um, they've shown that they've done their research and they've approached those investment companies in the right way. And I think that's important, getting through to the right people, making a match. Yeah, um, but I, I think also... 
on the other side, I think investment companies gain confidence by seeing other investors put money in. Is yeah, they do. They do. They ask. If we, they sometimes one of the investors will say, "If that other investment company puts money in it, I'm gonna follow." You see that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a mixed model uh, yeah. approach. Um, but I think I still think that there's a, there's an awful lot of software companies out there that don't get funding that probably should, but they're lacking a few key skills, and I think that's a shame. Um, yeah. I mean, no. for us, you know, Boss Equity, we've always been primarily focused on 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 working with software tech businesses to help them grow and then finally sell, um, and that sales part is, has been very important. We have raised investment, but I think we've steered clear of it. I think because there is a perception that actually, <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I told you this. I met with somebody a couple of months ago, and first meeting, very positive meeting. He told me he wanted to raise some investment. I said it was something that we'd definitely look at for him, and he was asking me if by next week I could have set up some investment investors who would be interested in his business. I mean, mm. you know, I think they think it's just the case you pick up the phone and, you know, hi, Bob, have you got 10 million to spend? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure. Come sure, on. boy. Come on over. Yeah. <laughs> they honestly, and that, that perception causes you, causes a problem with the client because yeah. they think it is that easy and it really yeah. isn't. No. Um, I think also what can cause that perception is that those that get the investment, it's publicized and it's, yeah. it goes out in the network. All those that don't, they don't go r running around saying, well, we never managed to get the investment because <laughs> it makes them look like total losers. Yeah, so you, true, you, true. you don't see, you don't see what the ratios are, you know, no. for every hundred of software tech businesses out there, how many of them actually end up with the funding that they want? No, That's true. That's very difficult to judge. Well, um, one of the things that I um, had last week, and it's a long time ago, I had, I had a meeting where I really had like an epiphany. So I'm sitting in this meeting at 7.30 in the morning, drinking coffee, four guys at a table discussing business. And we, these guys are looking into um, going to the, in the US to the logistics market with a, with a, with a, um, a SaaS software, a software service model. Yes. And we, we've done some experiments, landing pages. I mean, you know, the sales print concept, uh, landing pages. We, uh, we approached people via different ways and it's kind of going, but it could be better. And then the guy suddenly looked at me and he says, Michael, I'm going to stop you there because I was analyzing what we had to do. And he says, I want to win. What would you do if budget was not an issue and you want to win? And I actually never really thought about it in detail because sorry i like that i like that question yeah. because you always are limited by it's always budget there is always something that's limiting you and i looked at him and i said to him look if i would think in an analogy i would go to a new school and in that new school there is let's say a bully and i want to come in and i want to be number one in that school like day one come in the first thing I would do is I would walk into the new school, figure out who the bully is, and I would hit him, smack him straight in the face and say, I'm the big man now. So the guy laughed and he said, that exactly is what I want you to do. Tell me what do I need to do? And it changed my mind completely. And I'm really, really been thinking about it for like seven, eight days now. I said, it's a completely different mindset. 
Because you come in, you say, I'm the best. I mean, especially America. I'm the best. I can prove it. You, you have a very different thinking pattern. I really like the idea. So I'm really working on that now, thinking, okay, we need to do different things now. Forget what we've been doing. We're going to go there. We're going to do crazy, proactive stuff. Love it. Yeah, I love that idea. I think, I think there's two aspects to that. Is the first thing is, is in asking the question. You know, you yeah, can sit absolutely. there. And, you can sit there and sort of say, "What do we need to do next?" You know, oh, we'll try this or that. But somebody is is creating a better answer by asking a better question, which is, if we could do anything, we had an unlimited budget, what would we do? And it really yeah. does make you sort of sit up and think, "Wow, what would I do?" I like so. That. But I first think you you first need a bit of experience at the market, a little bit, figure out what's exactly going on, all of that. Then you should ask the question. Once you're kind of a few weeks down the road, then you need to change strategy. Because in the beginning, I don't think you you can, you know, I mean, you just, uh, anyway, I loved it. I really, it, it shook, I mean, it didn't shook my world, but I'm really thinking I need to do this thinking exercise more. What if I want to dominate and win? Like, pff, I come in and what I would, just eat them alive. Mean? If you if you had a if you had an organization that was dominant and you wanted to enter that market, what would the what would the equivalent be of going to punch the bully on the nose? You the you you, you go in full guns blazing. You you just stand your ground. You walk in, you'll be on any event, you'll be all over the phone, you'll be all over the place saying i'm i'm uh, i'm winning i have the best i have the best this is the big problem and i have the best answer for that but you need to make a lot of noise that's where it starts yes go to an influencer really big influencers i mean i know it's some influencer mark but there's a lot of things so the one thing i'm trying to get now right in my mind is so there are so many things you can do what what would be most impactful and what would be like the waterfall principle i first go there then i go there then i go there then i go there and, 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 and try and win and pick up speed because you quickly get into red ocean strategies where you have all your competitors and then suddenly you're going to scream and attack. It, it's going to delay you. Huh? So you have to be careful because if you, if you have to do that fight, that's not the right fight to do. That's, because that's, you, yeah. it's, it's an interesting idea, actually. It, it, it reminds me, I'm trying to think of organizations that have done that, that have really come in to a region or have, have launched a product really strongly. Um, I can think back many, many years, actually, there was a company called um, Tower, Tower Software. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, do you remember that? And there was a chap that I knew, and um, I saw him, he, he came from Australia, uh, a chap called uh, Damien Highland. He was very well known in, in the software industry, very talented. Unfortunately, he was killed in a car accident, which was very, very sad. But I met him when he'd first come across from Australia. I was actually working at Uniplex Software at the time in Hemel Hempstead. And um, I can't remember why we met, but he was saying to me, we had a sort of an off-the-record chat, and he said, I've joined this company. They've told me that they've got this massive pipeline. I've looked at it. It's moved from 3 million down to 300,000. He said, and I'm not even sure that 300,000 is solid. He said, I don't know if I've made the right move, but I'm going to give it a go. And... Bit by bit, he became very, very successful. Um, and what, what um, in talking to a lot of the people that work for him, especially on the software side, apparently he used to start every meeting, or he would mention it at least once, which was, we're out there and we're going to beat this company. So he'd pick the biggest company yeah. that he saw that was in competition with. I think it was OpenText, actually. And he used to say to the guys, our, 
our job is to beat open text. How can it's we like, beat them? We're going to war. <laughs> if you think about it, it's like how does a dictator or how do you get power in a, in a country? It's you find a common enemy or a common cause. That's what yes. you do, right? Common yeah. causes work. Yeah. Giving, uh, them a, giving them a focus. Yes. Yeah. That's a, so, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love that one. And then the second thing, too, because that fits within the winning, is I had lots and lots and lots of discussions with uh, companies around cold calling. Lots of people told me, Michael, cold calling is dead. Um, it doesn't have scale. And I have to say I do not agree. It really depends which industry and where you are. It has its limitations. On the other hand, you can add a lot of people. But I know, for instance, in UK, you guys have a lot of, you had a lot of issues with being, uh, how do you say that, not killed, but being overrun with cold calling. Uh, yes. Like all these uh, offshore agencies oh. be calling into you. I, can, I remember being there and getting one phone call after the other saying, Absolutely. this is not possible. Yeah, I think that what that was, was that a lot of the call centers that were set up, yeah. Um, where the English language was the primary language that they were using. They saw, obviously, the UK as a target. And we got a lot of the early call centers really bombarding the UK from from around the world, you know, whether it was India or wherever. Yeah. And I, I think it created, and it was very badly done. That was the problem. It, <laughs> it was really badly done. And it created such a cynicism um, I don't think it's something particular about the, the the English psyche that they don't like cold calling any more than anyone else, but it was badly done. It created a bad reputation, and I think it consequently there is a hangover from those days that you know a, a, an un an unannounced call coming through on your phone is probably not that well received. No, and and they're getting smarter. Right? They are now phoning with local numbers, and I mean, you have to do it the smart way. The, the the one thing, my answer always to that is that I say, look, I think you need a you need a multi layered approach. You need to have find find multiple touch points. So it can be an email, it can be a cold call, it can be a LinkedIn reach out, it can be there are many many ways of doing it. But you need it layered, and you need to track it. Yes. And then whatever works in whatever region, that's what you scale then, and all of that is scalable. So. So is it that? No. In certain areas, I know it's the only way to get somewhere. In others, I know it's never going to work. So, Do you think that it also depends on who it is you're trying to contact? Yeah, some roles like execs, forget it. You, you won't get them. I don't believe that. Uh, yeah. I think a bit lower you can. Uh, lower, I mean, you can. Um, I do think everything that's exact and above is really referral-based where you know somebody that introduces you and I mean you, you get that rolling and that works the best. Have you, have you seen really successful um, sort of telemarketing cold calling campaigns I, that have made I had a big difference to businesses? Well, I, I, today I talked to a guy who has a media agency and he said every Tuesday morning they phone all of the company, everything that has to do something with sales and so I, it's about 20 people I think they start phoning from nine to one, they all do it together yeah. uh, every Tuesday. And he says they have a they they've perfected the script and perfected it, perfected, and they have a hit ratio of forty percent for appointments, which is pretty impressive, honestly. That is, yeah, that's very high. Yeah, so so I do think it can work. I mean, the guy because I, I was doing this speech and said cold calling is that no, I don't. And he was like saying no, 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 no. In my business, this works. Yeah, yeah, I think definitely in some industries it does seem to work. Um, yeah. 
I think my my uh, frustration, not about cold calling, is about who's doing the cold calling. And again, I think this is something that has really started to die out quite strongly now, which was where software companies would employ experienced software salespeople and expect them to do lots of cold calling. And I always thought that's crazy. Yeah. Those, those, those software people aren't probably no. the best people at doing but that. That's, that's why I, I strongly believe that you need to split sales and prospecting into two different roles. Yes. And, and that's going to give you scale because you want your sales to do meetings and close close deals and you want somebody else to build the lists and do calling and, and all of this stuff. I mean, we, dis we discussed this several times already, but I think that's the key to success is split it up. It's also going to be cheaper to split it up and then you, 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 you run with it. Keep pouring fuel, which are the leads into the machine. And then the sales is the machine that just has to do the meetings and the quotes and, and the close. What about, what about social media nowadays? What are you What are you seeing happening there? Well, I, I absolutely believe in uh, in uh, the personal branding. Let's call it like that. I used to say thought leadership, but that's very tricky. So it's more personal branding, where where you actually answer questions of your customers. You're yes. not selling, but you're answering those questions. So you give true value, mm. and people will follow you because of of your expertise and of your true value, and they'll figure out very quickly in which company you work and they'll very quickly, if they like what you say and they think it makes sense and it adds value, they very quickly will buy your software. It can completely in a few months time change your, uh, change your sales funnel, but you have to keep it up once a week. Tack, tack, tack. And that's tough. Most people can get to three, four weeks and then they, yes. they let it go. So you need to get beyond the six, seven weeks. I mean, you've been doing it Mark a lot and you see the effect. Yeah. Yeah, we do. I think uh, it, it's not easy though. It takes time. It's, you've got to keep working at it. You've got to be persistent. Well, like anything, you, if you want to be successful, you've got to keep working at it. Yeah, um, absolutely. And to be, to be self-critical as well, I think that sometimes can be difficult. If you've got somebody who's working hard at something, but then to be able to, then to pull them up and, and, and highlight to them where it's perhaps it's not working, that, that can be quite difficult. Um, but I think guidelines, you know, something that we were discussing, I was on a marketing call earlier today, which was um, for the post that we're going to be make, making sure that there there is a brief. It, it, it's not telling everyone within the organization word for word what they need to be writing, but making sure that it's relevant, making sure that it does fit with our brand about who we are yeah. and, and what and, we do. And don't sell. That's the whole point. Yes. The people just smell it and they, and they don't like it and, and they have the intrinsic motivation to do things and if they have the problem or they feel it or they think they will come to you. But the thing is, this is just a bit of a longer term strategy. It's not short, short term. That's number one. And two, if you keep it up, it's going to get very broad and very wide. So you will have a, a lot of traction. One of the things that I did for for a number of years and I haven't been doing it as much recently was writing um, a blog post. <clears throat> when I first started that, I was told, be real. And what they yeah. meant by that was, it, it's got to reflect your own personality. And I always tried to do that. And I think I did get some good comments back on that. You know, I have a meeting with somebody and they, typically most people will want to get a feel for the person that they're going to meet. And I think yeah. this was a good medium for them to get a feel for me. True. That was, that was I, the feedback I, yeah. I got anyway. I, 
I know the feeling. I I I used to write very serious blog posts. Yeah. And now, I mean, I always you. I mean, you know me. I like to make jokes and have this surrealistic approach to it. Uh, the Monty Python effect in in a blog post, <laughs> a bit of fun. And I I started doing that, really doing that, thinking, you know what? That's who I am, and it really works. And the people that like it, they like it a lot. You know, that's that's you polarize in a way. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, right. And it's think, funny. I feel much happier writing this stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's right. And I think I think that's why I I like this podcast because it's not scripted. It's not phony. It's not us. We're not keep selling, selling, selling all the time. It's us having a conversation. It's us recounting things that might have occurred to us, you know, during the week. Ideas that have come to us. Uh, it's re- it's a reflection, isn't it? It's, it's, it's real bus- real business life. Yeah, and I think uh, it's got it's got to be real because I think absolutely you're absolutely right. People sniff it out if it's phony. People yeah. can smell it, and I think absolutely. that's really important. Um, it's it's one of the aspects that I I enjoy doing what I do around mergers and acquisitions because I get to meet a lot of very senior software people who have been in this industry some time and I think in the first few minutes sometimes it's first few meetings they're they're making an assessment I'm making an assessment of them all the time I'm thinking what would this person be like as a client you you must do a similar thing yeah yeah. you're always doing that assessment would I really want to work with this guy a long time because a few weeks ago I said no to somebody in a nice way because of this, and I really thought this you is never. You, you didn't just punch them on the nose like you do with the. No, I, I, I would have loved to do that, but we're yeah. sensible, civilized people. Uh, but I was really thinking, no, 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 this is this is insane. This is not going to work. But I did try in the beginning, and then after a while, I thought, no. I, I was really happy when I said no, and and we split it ways. But you have to do it in a nice way because you always keep bumping into each other, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So it's, it, there's that assessment that you're making them, but they're always making the assessment of you. And then yeah. I find that they they start to reveal something about themselves. And the interesting one that I had um, last week was um, it was actually a follow up meeting. And I'd spoken to two of the minor shareholders within a business and mm-hmm. they they had some concerns. They felt that the other shareholders weren't aligned. Mm-hmm. They they saw that the there was a, a there was a, a timing opportunity to be able to work on their business and then move towards an exit. They felt that their skills didn't really suit a much larger organization. They needed a company with better resources and they wanted to go off and, and, and create something new. But they felt that the the other shareholders were completely thinking the other way. They wanted to just keep going maybe for another 10 years. So they <laughs> set up for me to go and meet with one of the other key shareholders. And I was thinking, wow, I mean, what are they expecting? They've known these guys for years and years and they want me to go in there and, and sort of convince this guy to, to go in a completely different direction. But the interesting thing was that, again, once we'd got through that initial bit, he'd got a feel for me, I'd got a feel for him, we had a very frank conversation. And actually, the shareholders were more aligned than they believed they were. But they hadn't yeah. had that conversation. You know, there yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. that difference in opinion that they thought was really there. And I've, I've seen that quite a few times. It's, I think sometimes when you're talking about shareholding within a business... There mm-hmm. is a reluctance sometimes to talk about 
the potential sale of, of it. Of and that's why so many of these businesses, they don't have an exit strategy. They don't yeah. want to discuss it. They don't want to bring no. it up. It's isn't almost it seen also, as... Isn't it also a bit... I sometimes wonder, in a way, for some people, it might be perceived as failure because you're not... It's like you're giving up. <laughs> yes. And uh, that, it, it, you know, honestly, it can't be further from the truth. I think a lot of a lot of businesses fail because they just run out of energy. They yeah. just, yeah. they just, where where these guys are really good, they're, they're taking something, they're developing it, they're creating the value, they're building that value, and then I think maybe they're not so good at taking to the next stage, or maybe they've just they just run out of of the excitement that they need for taking that forward. I mean, some, you know, we all need to go and do something fresh now and again, don't you? You, yeah, you, you need to reinvent things and they need a new challenge. I think a lot of these software entrepreneurs, they love a challenge. They love the creative side of it. And it's not failing at all. It's actually saying, right, well, I'm no longer the best guardian of this business. I'm going to really be proactive instead of just running out of energy. Mm-hmm. And this, I'm not necessarily talking about people that are, are nearing retirement, but that does mm-hmm. happen as well, is that you get people entering sort of retirement age and they can't physically work as hard as they did. No, and, I agree. And, and that's an issue and they haven't planned it um, early enough. But I think it's also much younger people where they really should is take that energy and go and put it into another business and, and, and look behind them with, with pride to say, I started that business and look where it is now. And I took it through the complete cycle and I sold it and I've put some money behind me and I've got some money to invest into a new venture and they go on again to create new jobs, new innovation, new solutions. And I think that's really positive. Absolutely. I think some, I I think they, they sort of see it as giving up. Yeah. No, but, but I do, I can imagine you, some people must have the feeling. Yeah. No, 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 it's not at all. It's, uh, I think it could be a really very, very positive thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if, if perhaps more people look at it in that way, I think that there would be more successes. Um, yeah. Because yeah. so many of those, so many businesses that you, you know, you've known about for some time, they just drift and they start to go into this downward spiral. And that's very tough. It's, you know, like an aircraft, it's tough to, Bring, to, to pull it out of that sort of death spiral that some businesses get into. Um, and they just need to think a little bit ahead. But I suppose that's that's my job in, in part is to go and spread that story and just get people to stop and think. And, you know, that's why we, we do the seminars and yeah. we go out and have... You're like the exit coach. <laughs> yeah, ex- exit coach, yeah. The exitcoach.com. Exit <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just having a look at the clock. We've done 30 minutes and 30 seconds. So that's not bad time. Perfect. Yeah, so our time is up. I'd like to thank people for listening. I'd like to welcome any questions or comments that you may have. And I'd just like to say that this is for the, was the Bossit podcast, Unlooking the Software Industry One Conversation at a Time, by Michael Humbley and Mark Edwards. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, like, comment, and share. Thank you and goodbye. And thank you, Michael. It was great talking to you. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Bye.